Well, that's that's the best you're getting out of the microphone. I can't have it any closer to my face. Welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Hello, welcome to Game of Nodes, a weekly podcast on the cosmos from independent validator teams. Null is once again on walkabout, so sorry about the bird noise in the background. Um, he's a, he's 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 in a bit of land known as Belonga Mick, and uh, <laughs> and he's unapologetic about not putting the microphone close to his face. And that's about as much as much news as we've got to open the show with. I you know, exactly furniture. as you hit the go as exactly as you hit the go button, my mouse shit itself. Now I can't do anything. I can't even mute the friggin the the microphone for the so birds you just got to hold it straight to your fucking face then for the rest and of the... talk constantly so no one can hear the the background noise <laughs> what what birds do you have where you are right now now ones with wings and beaks and bullets in them if i ever get a hold of them <laughs> <laughs> sensational okay can you are you allowed to just hunt birds in australia what are the hunting regulations like I don't think you're supposed to just shoot birds, if I'm being honest. To hold it at your face. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to just shoot the birds. I mean, literally, the sound quality is so much better when you when you do that. I don't know why you, you just need to sort this out. It's especially so. So for those for those listening, uh, Noel was complaining about sounding tinny um, in the group chat earlier and we were like you need to have the mic closer to your face that's the solution and, uh, and i didn't know the, that in fairness the uh <laughs> the solution that we've chosen to go with is jake's solution of just holding your microphone <laughs> shocking kind of just do like a talking heads type thing it is talking heads i'm thinking of right maybe anyway um so i've missed this somebody say titties thanks rather uh yeah i mean to be honest i could go for a beer right now i've been i've been doing i've been doing actual work for 12 hours and it's uh uh it's tiring how do people work with their hands all day anyway um so uh i haven't seen any cosmos news for the last 24 hours what's happened uh i don't think i've seen any cosmos news in <laughs> that last 24 hours <laughs> Is uh, but we had like four gov props, I think, in a week, uh, since the last episode, didn't we, or something on Juno? We had like two on Stargaze, I think. There's there's a, a bunch of new contracts getting deployed. Uh, I'm trying to think other oh, networks. The problem is we only yeah. at the moment validate three networks, so so we, I'm kind of relying on you guys to tell me. On Juno. There's a lot on Juno to talk about with the subdows and also the um the new core one subdow proposal that's incoming with the fray as a named core one member oh is that actually live now no it's in commonwealth oh okay all right not hugely surprising the timing is a little surprising okay i should probably know that but <laughs> you should and max juno oh i th i think it's up on commonwealth anyway i'm sure the link that i clicked on was on commonwealth if not oops <laughs> so and sorry there's i've just been distracted by the fact there's big bird chat in the uh in the uh, in the in the uh, stream chat and uh null's just just fucked off i was going to ask him a question about very large australian <laughs> birds um uh, have you ever seen a cassowary like that was my you know like null have you ever seen a cassowary 
Like it's you should know it's an Australian thing, but they're like like actual fucking dinosaurs. They're crazy. Don't they have like and a big thing on their nose, like a huge like a Yeah, they have the yeah, they have the dinosaur like right? thin thing. Yeah. And uh, uh I don't know if it's the only time somebody's been killed by one in the last while, but I'm pretty sure a Florida man was killed by one the other year. No shit. Yeah, that's that's no no surprise there. Like just well, yeah, with it's, it. it's like a meme, isn't it? The Florida man thing. It's like Florida man killed by cassowary, even though it's a thing from Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, if you've been to Florida, then it becomes less of a joke because Florida's just insane. Why? Why is Florida so insane? I mean, it's it's just kind of like hot and humid, right? What? It's, it's in uh, the tropics, man. You get tropical animals. Well, I mean, if you want an actual answer, I can break down more an actual answer. But I would say a big problem is like there's a, a very large immigration community there, immigrant community there, as well as that's where a lot of the uh, the snowbirds go. So you mix those two things together and it just ends up in this really strange microcosm of somehow like an absolute insane amount of culture and the worst suburbs in the world hitting at the same time. <laughs> the it's, it's just bizarre. So snowbirds does that retired people i'm taking a punt uh not necessarily retired people people that are like that when the snow comes in the northern bit they move down to their their home down in florida to stay warm same thing with like arizona um they just they basically migrate themselves you know four five six eight south down to florida or arizona uh not so much texas i don't know if i've heard of snowbirds going to texas but if you have to work, how do you do that? I mean, like pre-COVID, I guess. Mm, fair. Yeah, so yeah. I guess it would imply re retired folks. Okay, well, I, it's, we're, we're laughing and learning, or except there weren't too many laughs in that Florida bit after the dead guy bit, which was, I guess, dark in hindsight. Anyway, um, so yeah, cassowaries, that's the thing. Um, Subdows, that's another thing, I guess. Um, yeah. I do see that. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, but I see that Commonwealth to be able to convert Core One to an official Subdow, and I see two additional members, the Frey and Max Juno, getting pulled in. Yeah, you got so the nod. Uh, I guess people are finally fucking tired of um, me having opinions on Git commits, so I have to <laughs> stop doing, stop doing day to day uh, complaining about about go code i guess what can we do to shut this guy up what can we do to shut this guy up Promote uh, him. let's just i <laughs> guess make him a middle manager strategy okay, cool. is old as time <laughs> if there's an example of the peter principle that's more bad than <laughs> i don't don't really know <laughs> don't really know of one um but yeah so that's that's a, that's a thing um we'll see how that thrashes out what are they called the mafia they opened up the books your name is in there is that what they call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe uh, is that is that a guy wringing the neck of an emu it is it's oh okay no it's on, on mute without a, without, a, without, a, without a mouse he's just talking away he can't unmute himself <laughs> um, so Pop, Pop Moss was mentioning the emu war and uh, this is like you know, some graphic that someone's made regarding the emu war, I guess. I mean, that guy's just trying to pat that emu. They're notoriously dangerous, so you don't want to let him, you know, just peck at your face while you're trying to pat them. Oh, he's patting it? He's not wringing its neck? No, he's 
it's that's a loving caress. Is this bit is uh, going to be very strange for people listening on podcast <laughs> players. Uh, I, I can't really verbally describe what we're looking at, but it's a kind of mock. Um, remember the fallen picture <laughs> for the emu war, which has a guy on the background of the Australian flag. Yeah, why is a flag in there? Who looks like he's sort of wringing the neck of an emu, like in battle, but actually, uh, Null is saying that he's just respectfully patting the emu and it just looks a bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, you can look that up for yourself. As uh, so, and and yeah, okay, that's just that's just an emu with what looks like a small artillery piece stuck to its back <laughs> and laser eyes. I think that might be photoshopped, actually. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, lads. None uh, of these are photoshopped, these are all one to one. Definitely not Definitely Photoshop. Not. No, no, no. Uh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but, but most of the chat says, ah, ah yes, the Great War. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Describe that one. <laughs> um, not Photoshop. So the, the picture that I, this is, we, we need to actually move on to some content in a second, but I will indulge you before we move on. The picture that we have been shown is um, that it's a famous um, war uh, correspondent photo from from Vietnam, I believe, uh, of a, a village was was bombed with with a uh, napalm, and and the photographer took a took a photo of children running away from it, and they were predominantly uh, mainly naked, I guess, because they had taken off their clothes because it, I guess napalm was stuck to it, um, and there are also somebody has photoshopped very sensitively photoshopped emus running away from the village into that very famous <laughs> photograph so that enough of that welcome to game and node guys it's like the worst google image search ever just null throws up a, a random image and you make the fray talk about it and describe it to others <laughs> It's just an awful we, AI. We we did, like have emu a and a- <laughs> we did have a thing at company where I used to work out where you had to try it. It was kind of like Pictionary. You had to describe a meme in words uh, at the end of stand-up. Yeah. It was really hard, like surprisingly hard. Um, because unless they were like really good, like the butterfly meme, that wasn't around at the time. But if it was, that would have been really good because you're just like, oh, it's like, you know, very easy to describe the the, the kind of setup. But um, I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't even continues. know what I'm looking at now. I'm not going to describe that, that one. Um, can Chat GPT take images yet and describe them? That's going to be next, right? Possibly. Have you guys been messing around with that at all? Yeah, uh, man. I haven't. But a friend of a friend uh, tried. Um, uh, it was something like, "Can you tell me a story about Harry Styles while insinuating that he was involved in 9/11?" Um, and that that was basically he he tried a lot of different things and the only point where uh, the gpt said nah i actually i i'm out i can't That's do it anymore Done. was was that one um it was like yeah t- tell me a poem about harry styles while insinuating that he was involved in 911 and it was like oh, i'm sorry i can't i, I can't fulfill that request <laughs> but until then it was very impressive it is it's, pretty phenomenal. It's like, amazing. Yeah. You just type in, and it, and it never says, uh, well, to me anyway, it's never said like, sorry, can't do that. It just uh, it just comes up with something that makes entirely lots of sense. 
I, I asked it some random stuff about like contracts uh, and construction and just various things to do with like civil engineering. And it was like pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Are you yeah. saying that you're just going to hook it up to your like work DMs and just see if it can take over your job for you? Honestly, there's no joke around that. We were today we were messing around. We were doing like we were asking for 500 word blog posts on specific topics, and it was writing blog posts that we could easily just publish <laughs> on like a a wide range of different topics, um, like benefits of this in the specific industries and this and that, and like there there was we were talking about just like could I make it where I could just give it ideas and pipeline it directly into twitter <laughs> because there's a ton like the some of the outcome that we saw that was it was like not too technical in nature but it was pretty pretty damn impressive actually so when does someone make like a um chat gpt bot that just talks for you on twitter <laughs> probably already have yeah honestly you could probably you could wire that up i would just think. replies replies to uh I wonder if uh, chat can can talk um, in Pupmos speak. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We should ask. We should ask Pupmos. Um, Pup Pupmos actually in the chat has said that asking the Pup bot to write a poem about Harry Styles while insinuating that he was involved in nine eleven has actually killed the Pup bot, and that we have blood on our hands. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's where we're at. It's 13 minutes into the show. We've killed the pot bot. 9-11 was, oh, it wasn't an inside job unless Harry Styles is also a member of the US government or was he a member of the US government in 2001? He'd been about five years old, wouldn't he? So probably not. Um, so Popmos says, wait, have you not talked to my bot? I thought he was a bot. What? <laughs> 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 oh, there's there's a pup bot in um in Telegram. All oh, right, so not pup moss himself. Yeah, it's a GPT pup bot. Huh? <laughs> Have you not? Well, like Jake was posting um thingies on Twitter the other day that he had asked pup bot um screenshots. Pup bot. Anyway. <laughs> Popmos <laughs> says my bill is three thousand dollars a month. <laughs> Make a blog post for me. Um, yeah, that sounds like yeah, uh, something, something, something. Anyway, um, so I there's a couple of um, oh, I can't talk. Oh yeah, there's uh, I was going to say there's some there's some, I was about to say oh there's some exciting new chains and things happening and then i remember that none of them were announced yet we're not supposed to talk about them so <laughs> great <laughs> i was like but 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 okay but it's what, what i have noticed is there seems to be more cosmos projects kind of coming out of the woodwork with real 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 use cases and whatnot sort of in the last few days in the last couple of weeks like really conveniently when i had zero time people being like hey can you prov provision a box because the test net's about to start and you're like I can barely put my socks on at the moment, lads, but yes, 100%. Let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like, I still wonder, we, you know, the conversation we were having the other week about uh, tokenomics in a bear market mm -hmm. and how projects launching might have to do things like pretty differently. 
Um, I do wonder quite a bit about that because we're still, I don't know what, maybe facing a year, a year more of this stuff. And uh, it's going to, you know, whether or not people actually actively start turning off validators, like we were kind of again talking about last week or the week before, uh, you know, new chains have got to first acquire the validators, like quality validators, and then retain them, right? Which, you know, involves making money. So, uh, yeah, but then mm, I, thinking about it, almost all the new chains that I've heard of are uh, going for more of a Kajira model, which is interesting. Uh, that's, uh, you mean like no inflation? Yeah, either either no inflation and a fixed supply or uh, some kind of mechanism where uh, increase in supply is not the primary way that validators and stakers would earn income. And in some cases, even trying to actually make fees uh, like a meaningful part of the revenue model, which is not really a thing in Cosmos, you know? So do you think that's because um, Null just bashes Pumponomics on um, Game of Nodes? Do you think we have that much influence that people are starting to change their ways? Yes. <laughs> 100%. I don't feel I need to elaborate any further. It's just a straight yes. <laughs> straight yes. Uh, everybody, Everybody's designed their tokenomics. And they, they, they've got the final draft ready to go. They watch one of these episodes and they're just like, hold Fuck. on. Can't all disappoint Null. We better Can't. delete all that. We better start over, fellas. We better start over. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so the the other uh, the other Commonwealth uh, things on Juno then are. I'm not even sure which ones are live and which ones aren't because it's all been so much back and forth, flying around between you know bits and pieces. So I might. I don't know if this is alpha, but I'm pretty sure it's on Commonwealth as well. So there's the the constitution for Juno, which they're trying to make good. Hey. That is on Commonwealth, yeah. On it's, Commonwealth? Yeah. yeah. And then um, there was no other sub-DAOs, though, on, uh, actually live at the moment, was there? Core it's one. Been also, there's the, there's the make, um, make open source great again uh, proposal. Yeah. The the unenforceable open source proposal round two. Yeah, yeah. the uh, the fixed up one, the, the more inclusive of information one, I guess you would say from fifty nine. So the Juno tell the the Loop Finance uh, grant passed its uh, signaling proposal. Um, Did it? Yeah. I mean, look, it was a piss poor effort by everyone who voted on this because the abstains were 55.8%, which is just a lot. I think we I think we might have abstained to be fair. Um, look. But then look, I think looking that was through this list, King Nodes also abstained, so hey, I'm kind of hey myself for that. So I think the thing with this one is that I, I, as a representative from Needlecast, am on, was on, it doesn't exist anymore, the Terra Development Fund. And the Terra Development Fund collectively decided to put that back to the community before it was funded. So in essence, I and we as an organization have already voted, which is to put it to the community. And so we voted abstain 
because it was it, it's up to our delegators on that one to make their voice heard because the whole point i think of putting that to the community was that sure validators should have their say um and the community should have their say but uh core team members that have already had some input either talking to the tdf people and raising concerns or talking to tdf people and supporting them or uh any of those other things i think those arguments have already been played out so it kind of felt important to just abstain rather than taking a default position for delegators whether or not that many of our delegators actually did vote i don't know um i hope they did because it's quite an important one and i think there is um Well, I guess it's, it's, it's interesting, like, we're all businesses, right? We all run businesses. And I think that the, there's two different perspectives on the loop thing, right? One of them, it, me as an individual, taking off responsibility hat, I would be worried about funding an organization that hasn't monetized, that doesn't have a route to monetization, and have a very small runway before they run out of cash. I would worry that giving them 100k or i think it was is it 150k or something like that i don't know it's quite it's quite a chunk of change um giving them a, a chunk of money before they slam into a brick wall is kind of pointless you, you may as well just back pocket the cash and use it for something else rather than giving it to a uh, yeah just putting it in a car that's about to smash into a wall and then catch fire like the money's gone um but then you know with my professional hat on a contract's a contract and there's an implied contract there it sets a very bad precedent i think to say you're going to fund a team and then not and not fund them if they have met oh. their milestone uh, I'm, even, to yeah, that I point like a hundred percent on the same page as you sorry I'll, I'll continue my thought usurper after you um say what you're thinking mate to that point why did the tdf push us out to a gov vote what what why it's already fifths is five six is already gone like who cares like you already have you already have 90 percent of it deployed now you're going to go to the community and say hey do they deserve the rest like what kind of what, what is that if the tdf agreed on the last five out of six payments why are they pushing this last one to this uh i think because there was increasing dissent over time on that's not the way these things work is delivered <laughs> that's not the way these things work like you can't build well, a fund and then have and put a group in place and then when times get tough and they can't agree you punt like either either you're a fun you're gonna then then like you can make that case on every single thing like well we're not really sure but we're gonna make the decision on 1.2 million dollars but this last 200k we can't agree on so we're gonna punt it like that's ridiculous yeah, yeah. I, I mean i i for, for what it's worth i was just kind of like either pay them or don't pay them but just do it with the sub dow um and then, yeah. and then kind of move on like learn from the learn from the thing but if i've learned one thing from the last year especially from like prop 16 and stuff when the community are increasingly angry about a thing sometimes it is better to just ask them um but but but, but then you know there is the classic thing I, I can't remember who said it but there's like this classic thing in sort of british governance which is obviously totally ironic given the last few years that we are a clown car of a country in terms of governance at the moment but there is a, an established supposed thing with mps which is that you should be in a position like leadership as being in the position of voting against the people that elected you for the good yep. of the people that elected you right so there is an argument that that 
basically TDF took a step back from that. I think. Yeah. Well, which I think is what you're saying. Right? Then, then they then they should be voted on. This this prop should be about that TDF fund and say, should this be the leadership that continues forward? Because if they can't, if they can't accurately, like, because I even asked, I, I we voted no on this, which which. Uh, for my reasons were different. My reasons were more around the idea that that final payment should be tied to final deliverables. Um, that's the way we always we've always been gone. And they came back like loop people responded and said that's not really what our original agreement was. I'm like, well, what's the original agreement? And they linked to the TDF, but the TDF is not the, an agreement of any sort. Um, it, it, and they have a proposal in there, but it doesn't have any deliverables. It doesn't have any dollar amounts. It doesn't even have like there's not much in there. And so. They said, well, it doesn't match the original agreement. I said, well, show me the original agreement. Like, because if this is in line with the agreement, then great, you should be paid. And if there is no agreement, what the hell are we doing? Like, why are we giving away, like, why is this group giving away $1.6 million without clear deliverables, without clear timelines, without clear metrics on, on what the bars are to be able to receive it? Like, that's unbelievable. So, so I, I think that um, if you take into context the time, and the environment at which the agreements were made, uh, you know, TDF was formed on short notice. A lot of us didn't even know, even people involved with Juno, like pretty intimately, didn't even know about TDF. Uh, it was happening in the background until it was like, you know, public. Yeah. And the, I believe that like, you know, the purpose behind it was to try and get Terra developers onto Juno, right, at any sure. cost. And... And I think, uh, you know, the problem was twofold. One, on our side, there wasn't a lot of um, due diligence and structuring of payments, right? So right. because everything happened pretty quick, they're just like, there's the proposal. And they're like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And on the terror side, I think that any project was just trying to get funded by anyone to continue their payroll, right? And without due regard for like the communities that they were taking that money from um, and, you know, without making any real commitments, it was just basically to shore up their payroll for the immediate future so they could try and find a way forward. And look, if a project wasn't successfully able to sustain itself on Terra, there's no fucking way that that same model is going to successfully sustain itself on Juno with the amount right. of users and the, and the, um, Right. And the way that Juno works with fees and different know, economic so, system. Yeah. So, unless they plan to fund them indefinitely until they figured out how to actually make money, I mean, a lot of projects are coming in to crypto running the same sort of model as what you do with your, your free and then freemium and then subscription model type stuff in, in real tech, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's just done fucking work here because the people who are funding it are the, the they're already funding, you know, the users are, are funding these people. It's not the money doesn't come from Juno, the network. The money comes from Juno's users out of the liquidity pools. Absolutely. And, and this one point two million dollars that they've given to Loop for absolutely, you know, well, in my um, view, not much return in terms of product. It's just come straight out of the pockets of regular users, and I don't think that's good um and i think that you know that should be the option of the if the community want to renege on a promise that was made by a sub dow well sub dows are governed by the community dow right so if they want to pull the pin on something it's it's up to them to have the opportunity to do that but at the same time it's not a good look 
for the network as a community to right. make make an agreement and then break it. Um, but so but, it's, it's a combination yeah. of a bunch of different issues. If, um, and that's I agree with you there. Like if if they are going to break it, if they're going to break a commitment, this this to me is like the that TDF team just punting it to the community to make the community the bad guy. Right, which didn't work in this situation because they, they passed it. But then, like, we're not strong enough to actually break that commitment. We're, we're not going to have that press around it. We're going to see if the community wants to do it. Um, but it, so, but at the know. same time, like as as I say, every every sub DAO is, and yeah, the TDF was formed before before the sub DAO prop. But right. every sub DAO is, um, you know, beholden to the community DAO. And so, if the community DAO want to change something or their voice should be heard in this example there was a lot of noise being made about that particular um funding agreement so i mean mm-hmm. if the people want to be heard they should be heard in my opinion yeah um they should do that and and, and the community the community dow um i.e governance outweighs any sub dow because that's the that's how the sub dows were put forward as as um you know entities that are governed by the community DAO. So ultimately the decision sits with the community DAO if they want to override anything um, or get rid yeah. of users or whatever. So, that, I mean, is it an ideal situation? No. Um, but is it like the situation that we have? Yes. Do I think personally that they should have got their funding? Probably not. But in terms of not reneging on a deal, I, I think they, you know, we should just close out the deal. It's right at the end. Um, they'll deliver whatever they want. God knows if they're even going to stay on Juno. Um, right, right. But I think going forward, we need to make like way better decisions on what we fund and how we fund it. And as you say, Usurper, I completely agree that we should be based on, um, you know, outcomes rather than promises and pay on outcome, not promises. Yeah. And and I, I also want to recognize the, the rush that it happened when when Terra collapsed and and basically pulling a group together to be able to identify funding to go try to entice projects to come in. I'm totally not. I'm totally for that. Like I understand that pressure and that timing. It was also you know seven months ago, so there were seven months of time to be able to put structure around this as a TDF, right? And then every time that they're throwing Juno out the door in one of these six payments or in these six types of things somebody somewhere should be like, so what happens at the end of this? And what does this look like? And are we on track? And like, th- that is the role of that TDF fund and that that DAO, um, like they should be measured. And so I, I just think like, I agree with the idea that the community fund drives it and blah, 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 and all that kind of idea. Like that's, it's very pie in the sky type of structure around it. Like you can't govern things like this in a, in a community fashion. Like at some point, somebody's got to look at the deliverables. Somebody's got to look at the outcome. Um, somebody has to be able to settle up that agreement to say that they met that or not. And if that team isn't there, then they should be, then they should have a more structured kind of, you know, fund out that has some better guardrails and people have experience in doing that. Cause this seems like this is, this seems like a railroad. Like they just kind of threw it in there and there's a bunch of dollars in Juno that's going out there. You're right. It's coming out of the pockets of the community. Like it's a large chunk of money over a, a sh- pretty short period of time and to not have anything tied to the end and, just kind of like hoping and if they, and there's nothing stopping them from building it here and during it and bring it to another chain or starting their own. Right. There's nothing here that ties that to Juno. Correct. Yeah. There's not, there was, nothing, right? you know, there's no like service agreement that says, you know, if Has we fund you, here. you have to operate on us on, for the next 10 years. Like, 
Right. You know, we own your IP. There's nothing like that. Right. Um, but, I mean, one th- I think a fundamental problem, um, Usurper, is that I don't think people fully understand that the community pool is not $200 million. The community pool is not $100 million. The community pool is nothing. It's it's nothing. It's it's tokens that aren't in circulation. Right. And as soon as you bring them into circulation, they become a liability against the liquidity pools. And, you know, I just, I don't think people get it. I, I think they see the number right. on right. the screen and right. the number is big and they think that there's plenty of money to throw around. Like if it's you cash go in the bank or it, something, right? Like they think it's a bank balance. It yeah, is not, it is not like, a bank balance. No, it, it absolutely isn't. And there's, unless you can um, swap it uh, OTC, um, you're going to destroy the price when you, you get rid of any of that. So if you go and look at the liquidity pools, I don't know what's in the liquidity pools for Juno at the moment, but I'm, I'm tipping it's probably about $5 million or something like that. Maybe that's generous. So, I mean, that's all that's available. And so there's not $200 million. There's maximum $5 million if you drained every bit of liquidity out of that pool. And there's no other way to swap it out. So when you give them 100000 Juno, that's what, $200,000? That's, what's that, 5% of the pool? Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty big, mar- a it's pretty a, big chunk of it. It's a chunk. <clears throat> yeah, so that's that's going to be damaging to the price if they go and dump that. And look, the way, you know, I, I imagine they're not happy right now and I imagine they might not fucking give a shit and they might just do that. So, you know, it's, it's not $200 million. It's not $100 million. It's whatever's in the liquidity pool and it comes directly out of the pocket of users. And so I think, you know, we need to be clearer about that and especially when funding things, especially if it's a stupid number, like $1 million to fund someone at the moment is basically half of the available liquidity. Well, maybe a third. I, th- it looks I, think, like, the, I think the liquidity is $2.6 million. Looks like the price impact on osmosis would be around 10% if they just sold that market. Which is massive. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how we do it, but users need to be better informed about what drawing on the community pool actually does um, and how it affects them and that it's not just an unlimited pool of money because it's not. Well, there's also like long-term stuff, isn't there, about like how a completely structureless DAO uh, essentially can better hedge against um, market conditions because the you know all of like back to the validator dumping that we love to talk about at various times but like the reason that you hedge in in fiat is as a business because it is less uh what's it called um less volatile on the whole right so you you're you're trying to even out the the market and you don't have you know if you're a cash right now you probably cashed out a bunch of dollars at the top of the the bull to see you through this bear and you know, uh, Akash can be throwing around money to fund projects that don't deliver shit. Are they fuck? Absolutely not. But they do. They will have that money there, and they'll have it in US dollars. You know, um, and Juno doesn't really have that luxury. So the the question is like, what what as well? You know, obviously USDC wasn't an option. There weren't. Were there any other? I mean, and USDC is dubiously stable, dubiously backed anyway. 
um you know do you do you want to get rugged by the next sort of ust collapse as a core dao which is the danger as soon as you transfer out of your native token i don't know um but there's also some questions there on like how you diversify your risk when you can only really use cryptographic assets um there, there's a whole quite interesting debate to be uh to be had there i think um as we, well as yeah sorry we need a we need a us dollar backed oh he's frozen yep oh, he jeez did a cassowary cart behind him <laughs> just, <laughs> just pegged him in the back of the head just pure jurassic <laughs> park vibe <laughs> <laughs> got it yeah i mean we we need assets in in the cosmos that aren't you know um pipe dreams we need us I, dollar back stuff honestly honestly nah. spicy fucking opinion <laughs> i want a fully collateralized uh central bank digital currency in cosmos that's my spy I, like i i if the bank of england was like yeah, all right, you can cash in pound sterling if you hold them for one-to-one pound sterling on a Cosmos blockchain. The validators are all run by fucking G Cloud providers. Uh, that's It's the same as the GovCloud in the States. Basically, there's a, a list of providers that can provide services. Those teams can provide validators. I'd be like, do you know what? It's just a decentralized system to, to put pounds digital. I would use that. I would happily ibc juno into into fucking bitcoin <laughs> and then uh, i don't know if i want any bitcoin but you know, i mean it's not get the price the price is also going to be pretty volatile isn't it lads but I'll take yens uh, over fucking bitcoin <laughs> but, but 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 no i because I, I, I think like the mod the the, the the great irony i think of the current tendermint proof of stake mechanism is actually it is quite well suited to <laughs> to running a central bank digital currency in an adversarial environment where validators might be taken down by hostile action. Mm-hmm. Like actually about 150 nodes-ish run by teams that are being paid to do so on a contract is actually like, it's a pretty fucking resilient um, distributed system. Like, so I don't know, if we're doing phrase hot take corner, I, I, I think it would be really good. If I was the president of the Cosmos, which of course is is Jason Stein Juan. Um, <laughs> I would be trying to get central banks to join the cosmos. That's what I'd be doing. That's my that's the hot take of the week. Um, so uh, sorry, I was I wanted to pick up some some one of you said something really interesting, and I've already forgotten. We we, we moved on past it before I could jump in and be like, "Oh, can we talk about that?" And, I don't think it's one of us. I think it was something you said, sir. But um, we've had a few comments as well, so I'm I'm just going to quickly roll back and uh, and and cover off cover off some things we've had come up in the chat. There's been a lot of lot of chat. Um, so uh, Popmoss says on I think this was a reply to you, sir, but on the details of the original loop funding, it's on the Dow Dow prop potentially, not the not the IPFS bit. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Putmoss did get a reply from the GPT-3 bot, which says, uh, uh, so he said, GPT-3 just replied about Harry Styles. 
uh, saying, Pupmoz is a good boy. He always tried to do the right thing, even when it comes to Harry Styles. He knows that Harry is innocent and wasn't involved in 9-11. He is just a victim of the media's lies. Um, so there you go. That's that's the AI bot. Go. That's the AI bot addressing insinuations that Harry Styles was involved in 9-11. Um, oh, sorry. He's just a victim of the media's lies and propaganda was the final bit of that. Uh, <laughs> um, so, and then uh, Niels had asked, what do you think about the healthy MEV proposal draft? I've not seen that, but I guess that's related to, is that related to Skip or is that related to some other MEV mechanism? Yeah, what chain is that, do you know? Niels, if there's a Commonwealth link, uh, let us know. Let us we'll, we'll, we'll go find it and put it in the show notes. Uh, we'll put it in the chat. We can discuss this. Hundred um, percent, and then Rama and um, Pupmos were arguing about whether or not uh, Loop would fail um, in the chat. Uh, Partial match asked. Uh, Don Kryptonian said funding Loop was a bad idea at the time it was funded. Many people piled on him over that, but was he right all along? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the from kind of behind the scenes, what but like the perspective of sort of being on tdf we were there kind of mainly as a technical i guess due diligence so not really the business side so much but uh now we, <laughs> what the hell's going when on when does the fray ever cut out Never. sorry to sorry to interrupt the fray <laughs> but if you if you have a contrarian view on everything you're going to be right eventually right <laughs> <laughs> maybe he got hit in the back of the head with a uh what was that called a fucking castle that could have happened. Maybe he's just finally gotten sunstroke from the fucking <laughs> from that light, bright light in his, head. In his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So anyway, Pup, Pup Moss is also on here saying, uh, you know, that the cell pressure is coming from somewhere, and obviously I haven't investigated, and I wish they would just say what it was. Now I'm having to try and look for this unbonding transaction from days ago. Off, I think they're referring to the one that came off Pupmos's validator and try and figure out uh, who that was because apparently it's related. So if you can just give me a link, you know, to the evidence that I can just look at it and then say it instead of having to like make clicks, uh, that'd be great, Rama. Have I also frozen? No. Everyone no, else's faces yeah. were like yeah. really still for a second there. <laughs> I was I was actually taking a look just real quick around uh, um Niels was talking about or somebody mentioned the the uh the healthy MEV proposal. That is in Juno, that is from Demi posted it forward. So that that basically I think what's been happening here um is that here comes the fray, made it back. <clears throat> so after we after um Skip went live on Juno maybe about a month ago, plus or minus something like that. Um, there has been a wide variety of, of you can basically set a commission, the structure to the, to the MEV transaction. So the MEV volume is really low, um, but it, there is, there is a, and the transactions are not very large, but there's some, and, and those turn into um, some, some that commission that comes back through um, a searcher that is basically building a bundle that gets included in a block um, that comes back to the bow. And then, then the skip team made it where you can kind of split between um, where that commission goes. It could go to a wallet that the validator defines, um, or the rest goes to basically it goes to the mint, uh, which basically just goes out not to 
not to like your delegators as a validator, it just goes to the general mint. It just basically goes to anybody who's staked, um, which is probably the only way you can maybe do that. Cause I don't know how you would write that to go identify all the ballot, you know, delegators for one specific ballot and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a wide variety of hundred percent to the mint to 0%. We do the opposite way. We, right now the values are so low that we, we take hundred percent of it, which is I think equating to point, I don't know, actually, I, I'll go back and look and see what it is recently. It's probably less than 0.8 Juno a day, something like that, maybe 0.5, something like that. I don't know. Maybe Schultz knows better some numbers on it. Um, so I think Demi in this proposal, I'll put a link in there as well. It's up in Commonwealth right now, but they want to basically put some um, some guidelines around what the validator max and min commissions are, um, similar to what we do like from a regular validator commission as a minimum of 5%. Um, here, Demi's promoting that a minimum of 10% of MEV rewards go to the VAL and a minimum of, or a maximum of 75% go to the VAL, um, something sim similar to that, um, to be able to um, kind of build some some rule sets around that. Um, so I think, you know, this is a community-based type of structure. I, you know, we're, we assume when this came forward that there would have to be some sort of community kind of like guideline and some validator guidelines around what this is. Um, I predicted that it would be a race to zero and it instantly was. Um, which really benefits nobody, honestly. It doesn't really benefit the community in any sort of way. I mean, the numbers, at least right now, are so small and divided by the total amount of stake, it's nothing's coming into your wallet from it. Like if it is, it's nine zeros in front of that number. Um, and so could there be something more important that we can do with that? Um, and could there be more revenue that's coming through um, in some sort of way that, that goes to something else? So we assume that this would be coming. I'm glad it's here. I think we'll put some comments on it. I don't know if these are the right numbers. Um, if it makes sense or, you know, if, what do you guys think about in terms of if, if, should there be commission structures on this? Should it be open? Is this the same thing as like regular validator commissions where there's a race to zero type of thing or not? I mean, I tend to take the same, um, perspective on commissions one way or another, which is there should be a minimum and that minimum, in my opinion, shouldn't be zero. Yeah. So the fact that they're setting a minimum and a maximum, I think is pretty cool. Um, I think I'll, I'll chime in on that Commonwealth thread just to participate. I mean, the thing is, it's like, it's not like running the additional software is no effort, right? If you're doing some level of due diligence where you're at least, you know, going and seeing what, what has changed, then that does require some effort um, to change out the binary. It's not a lot, granted, not but it's still something. And in running it now, you kind of have to, like, it, it, it requires effort one way or another to, 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 to do it. So yep. I don't think that, I think that 0% can be made an argument for just because then you're sending all the commission. Oh, I'm, I'm a great validator. It's a marketing ploy, but really, and especially in the current economic conditions where validators are often not making enough and are starting to depart networks, I think it makes sense to take some more profit. Yeah. And Todd Blockpain just commented like he's considering 0% just to make taxes easier, which is totally true too, because actually I was just talking to them about that too, because it's a straight income type of structure. And it's just a different transaction type that needs to be handled differently, um, you know, versus other transactions that are coming through the wallet and taxes are a fucking nightmare enough as they are. So sometimes for small numbers, it's not even worth it. Like just to, it's better just to ignore them and just let them go back to the community. Yeah. Well, there's so, also sorry, like, we're, we're talking about the MEV, right? Yeah. So I, I changed the wallet on mine. We do 50-50 because otherwise, like, what's even the point of doing it? And yeah. um, 
in a week we've made one cent. So <laughs> congrats. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I know we got we got attacked pretty hard on, on Twitter about being 100 percent I was like, go look at the numbers. Like we're talking about about I mean it, if it grows, it grows. Like I'm I'm hoping it does and I'm hoping I don't know. There has to be this well, seems it's to be- not gonna grow on on Juno because no one uses the decks. And until right. there's a DEX that people use and it's integrated with that, man, it's fucking useless anyway. Maybe there would be a better return on Evmos potentially. There's a lot more swap action on Evmos and I, I'm not sure which DEX it actually um, ARBs against or if yeah. it ARBs against multiple. But, I mean, your best your best place for, for MEV, you know, community MEV rather than ARBbot is um, going to be Osmo, of course. Yeah. So... They haven't really implemented it there. And I think that the Osmosis Network are implementing their own uh, MEV solution to return to the community, probably in the in the form of, um, you know, rewards. But, I mean, I wonder if they do do that, if, you know, the network's going to take their piece off the top like they do with the minting. I just, uh, I think, I think Skip Team is working with, with um with the osmosis team i believe that they're building it in and i believe it's automatically 100 percent going back to the mint so i think all mev rewards there is no validator structure for it there is no we're not using the skip dashboard it's not setting a wallet it's not setting percentages i think 100 percent goes back to the mint i just sunny just com- commented on this on twitter i'll put a link in there too about that where it should be protocol based and so it all it just goes back to the mint so i think i mean it, it's fine Right. I mean, so it really there's nothing to the validator structure, although there would have to be some configuration there, I would think, because well, maybe not. I don't, maybe maybe if all validators are forced to run it, then you don't have to deal with. Um, I'm not sure how the configuration works in terms of subscribing to, a you know, a, a channel for packets and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. I'm just uh, just bringing up a comment from Neil saying it, it's obviously not important at the moment, but if we're discussing the MEV topic, shouldn't we think about a future with more action on the chain and what would be fair in that case? Um, and also, just because obviously taxes came up a couple of times there, and I love talking about taxes, naturally, I'm a validator. Um, I th- there's a really interesting thing here, which was I, a while ago, there was a kind of big effort to get validators to accept um, Atom, right? on juno which i mean i'm obviously kind of against because i think it's kind of dumb to accept coins that aren't your native token personally but you know whatever yolo um i can see i can also see the other side you know um have ibc to norms of maybe a couple of closely related sister chains if you like and then have them them accepted do you see that um but what then happens obviously the proposer if they accept that um as a fee then it you can end up as a validator with like one ten thousandth of a juno uh, of an Mm -hmm. atom sorry that you then have to account for in your taxes and then track and you're just like oh i can't believe i've just been done dirty like this this is insane um and (laughs) yeah and the 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 discussion at the moment is that uh obviously min fee is coming in in 47 um and there is a lot of discussion for running with multiple additional tokens from yeah like i guess related sister chains say stargaze osmosis if you're juno or um yeah like 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 those kind of things maybe maybe the same sort of change you might want to deploy mesh security you might also want to take their tokens but you're just going to end up with like random small potentially very small amounts because for 
for the majority of let's say the the Gen One Cosmos chains, which are currently the blue chips, I hate blue chip as a term, but whatever, it is true. <laughs> um, they predominantly make income for their validators and stakers via um, inflation, right? Um, not via fees. So all the fees do is complicate your tax situation, and we're about to potentially uh, non-linearly increase our um, bookkeeping hassle um, for no additional money. Like if you're making a hundred atom a year or something, uh, uh, definitely at current prices, um, and it would be probably a lot less in fees as a validator. But you're having to actually do the bookkeeping on those atom. You're going to spend more on bookkeeping than you actually make. Um, yeah. So there is like there is this interesting thing of like there's there's a tension I think sometimes with with some of this stuff like with what's good for users and what's good um, for validators and especially when we kind of look at where we are now on usage uh, to bring it back to Niels's point um, that a lot of these things make a lot more sense when you have a lot of prospective usage in the future which at the moment we're not at a point where these are meaningful income streams. I don't know if that's even a hot take or not, but that that's it just seems that even in the MEV case, right? It's not it's not at the moment a meaningful income stream, right? No, I mean I agree. Uh I was one of the first people on Secret Network to or first validators in Secret to add in um additional fees for 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 different tokens. And suddenly I had, you know, like six different tokens and I was like, okay, so I did this kind of to say that I could do it, but then it occurred to me basically exactly what you're talking about, where now and, and delegators get them too, right? Fees also go to delegators. Now all the delegators also then have all these additional, just like 0. 0.0001 atom. I actually just took my wallet and that's that's exactly how much atom I have in that wallet that I got from fees. So I'm like, great. Literally adding that line is more than that was worth. That's a micro penny or even, even less. And me taking the time to do that is way more than that. But anyway, um, I, I want to address Neil's uh, comments as well about... Um, like the more activity and how a movie works with that. Um, my understanding is that with the way that Skip works specifically is that they will never take up an entire block. So there isn't too much of a concern around MEV, like kicking out full blocks. It'll be like, they have a certain section that they can use um, within a block. And then once that's full, then that's it. And so there's still all this, all this extra area where you can't just buy into using. Yeah, that that yeah. is my understanding. I, that is my understanding too, and we really should understand it perfectly. But given that we did have the lads on the podcast, uh, <laughs> what feels like about a thousand years ago, but I have the really nasty suspicion was like six weeks or something. It was. It was like middle of October or something. Yeah, like <laughs> maybe September. I don't know. I feel like I've aged years <laughs> in the last four weeks. Um, uh. That's funny because every every Wednesday I get up and I'm, I'm thinking about like what what's on this what we're going to talk about and all that kind of stuff and I think I remember getting out of bed and be like oh, this is a really tough week and I'm, and then I recognize that I've had that same thought like the last nine <laughs> weeks in a row where I wake up I'm like we just can't talk about this, how fucking hard it is like or how busy or miserable or this or that and everything else so it's just funny yeah it's not so should um, we we we've, we've also I, I I should also just say that in the uh, in the chat. Uh, we've had a little bit of a, an Agatha Christie moment. Um, I, I wish I had a pun to use for some combination of Rama and Putmos, uh, talking about who's doing the selling. Um, 
the cell Everyone. pressure. Uh, and they they both realized that they were talking about the same entity um so that was that's all fun and all fun and games uh if you're listening on a podcast player you have to come back to the youtube chat to see that one uh very very exciting to watch that one evolve in real time um and <laughs> the so actually on the on the unbonding thing so there's been some talk in the chat um just to just for those for context for those listening later um there's been some uh, discussion on unbonding uh as well and one of the big um i guess concern points for a lot of cosmos networks at the moment is looking at the num- the amount of tokens being unbonded and for a lot of the oh, blue chip i'm going to have to say it again cuz i don't have another you love that term I fucking hate that. But what, what about, I guess what, I I'm, what, what I'm trying to say is like, um, you know, as validators, we have networks that should definitely return at least a break even. And they sometimes subsidize the networks that don't. Right. Then that's how you, that's how you ride out the market conditions is you have some that are more likely to be more stable or their floor is higher in terms of price. And the difficulty now is that, like, actually, a lot of Cosmos networks are now slipping below a profitable price floor. Sure. Um, but the uh, but the interesting thing on those networks is obviously looking at unbonding, and the rate of unbonding at the moment, in some cases, is actually pretty severe in terms of looking at what prospective price pressure might do in twenty eight days. Let's say uh, it's a bit of a. Are work. you talking? You're talking validators. Or you're just talking just wallets in general. Uh, I'm not saying that validators are unbonding, but I am saying that. Um, whale. Know. Well, I, I mean, I don't know about you, you guys in terms of your validators, but I've noticed we've been losing delegations, like yeah. in chunks, like, and some of it is larger delegators, literally just taking a K and just going, I, I guess, just taking profit while they can, um, or, or something. Right. Um, yeah. But I think but, I mean that that's a that's a confidence on whether it's coming back or whether it's not coming back, right? So there's I think there's a bunch of unbonding just people just want to have the flexibility either yeah sell at some sort of point or maybe put it to a different ecosystem or switch chains or something else, right? Like they're not gonna write it to zero. Yeah. Uh Rama says uh, uh there are a lot of whale moves at the moment. I'll yeah. defer to Rama's superior chain analysis on that one. Um but Tax uh, time is not January, but but being able to if you're going to take losses, you got to take it in a year, right? So that would be December. So it's already, it's actually, well, depends on what chain, but Juno, it's too late to unbond before the end of the year. So you're, it's already past that time, at least here in the US. So at least to be able to have the sale before the end of the tax year. Yeah. End of, end of tax year is, uh, depends on your company uh, reporting schedule in the UK. So uh, mm. we are too basic bitch to have, had a we, we, fancier. we did the uh you know the joke about like what happens if you just click through all the screens in a rpg and you get like the default character that was basically right. that's basically our company it's just like yeah fifth of april yeah right a bit of a weird day or whatever whatever click 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 um, <laughs> it works for everybody else so we'll do that and then you're just like fifth of april no wait is it fifth of April? Maybe it's thirtieth April. Whatever the default is, literally, this is what I mean. Whatever the fucking default is, lads. Um, but yeah, um, interesting times, really, with a lot of that. Fine. How about what are we talking about? Welcome back. We're talking about uh, we're talking about like validators. Well, yeah, we're, here we're talking about like whales or like big movements of people unbonding across a bunch of different chains right now. But I think what we wanted to talk about, we were talking about before we hopped on, was 
like how do validators justify kind of keeping stay, staying on specific chains, even though they might be either running at a loss or maybe really low margin? And why do they do that? Like, or do they? Because I think we, we're starting to see some validators on bond on specific chains, which it's really easy to kind of stack up chains that are valuable versus not and kind of start from the bottom if you want to. And so some of these chains, I think, we're not going to die because I think there's there's definitely a lot of interest from others to keep, you know, people will come and fill that void. Um, definitely. definitely. Right? So from from what I know, like, if you even just look at the, the testnet scene, right, there are scores of validators who who validate on test nets that would probably be more than willing to run on a on a main net just for the lols, you know, just to like get experience in it if it's a shit chain and there's window to get in there and they don't already have like a, a delegating community. So, you know, that's a leg in for them and that's exactly the way it should work. The the other guys who are more focused on the bigger chains and run bigger hardware and and um, spend more time should focus on the higher value chains that they're already in and then open the door for other people who want to have a go. Um, and, you know, that's exactly if it's a low economic value chain, there's what's the damage that's going to be done. Um, even the higher economic value chains, well, I shouldn't say economic value, I should say the higher value chains. Right. Um, like even, you know, guys outside of the top 20 on most of them, I would imagine would be running at a loss. Um, like well, our, or, or the is dismal, and we're the chains we all run are like mostly top twenty uh, in the chains we run, and the the monthly take is like not that great. So, yeah, or uh, or they're or they're cramming things down, right? Like you're you might have. I was running a three node Horcrux, and then then people decide, well, screw that. I'm just going to go to a single signer, and I'm going to put six chains on one box and like, you know, like then you start, you're going to find ways to people are going to find ways to cut costs, right? Like they're going to try to take money out of the business and just, just shove it down, which is not, which I, again, which isn't, you know, depending on the operators, not an awful thing, but, but um, not really great for kind of long-term success or, you know, stability, et cetera. It's interesting you mentioned Horcrux there, though, because we're we're running TM KMS and it requires a relatively big box in our experience just to have it like totally stable. And um, one of the pushes to finally uh, start switching over to DGen Horcrux, um, which has been mm -hmm. on the, the plate for quite a long time. Um, well, one reason is because um, we run the Genus Four set, and for some unfathomable reason, it keeps crash looping the box it's on. And I, I keep upgrading software, changing things, trying to work out what the root cause is, and then it crash loops itself again. And I'm yet to get to the bottom of it. And so I think it might be time for that server to go to live on a farm. Um, <laughs> uh, take, it up, take it upstate. <laughs> take it upstate. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but I think also just like the 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 for if you're not on. Uh, fully on kind of bare metal that the the dj and horcrux approach is the bear market's friend if you look at good offerings from ovh places like that we're um for other networks uh doing some stuff on ovh at the moment and they've been really good um not sponsored to say that just just to clarify i'm not gonna like not just shilling ovh here but specifically above other people but they are obviously crypto friendly which helps the the way that our uh, conversation takes to the real world, um, the fray you've just like 
basically centralized the cosmos. After next week, there's going to be 80% on OVH now. Well, because of our outsized impact. Because uh, you just told everybody to. And as we've learned, whatever we say here becomes reality. So yeah, but be careful not what you say. Because anybody listens to the podcast. Um, Which, we're just oracles. Other than, other than Jake Wan, um, who is a known, a known frequenter. Um, well, I'm questioning. Uh, you raise a good point. Um, I'm questioning whether he has really watched any of the episodes or whether he's just watched potentially the latest one. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm tipping that he hasn't watched them all. <laughs> um, yeah, shall we say. They actually, uh, I, I, think you, I think you were right. I think they were doing the rounds because um, after we uh, said that potentially not a good fit for this show, uh, they said, well, we'd like to – this is Ignite, not Jay. They said, well, we'd like to like potentially have some other of our devs on the show. Um, and there's like, here's our deck. And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. I think they might be doing PR, like damage. Um, what's it called? Uh, damage mitigation from having like fired a load of devs. Yeah, they fired a lot of devs. Yeah. I didn't realize they did. When was that announced? Uh, uh, not long ago. Yeah, they just kind of. They didn't announce it. I don't think. They just I think kind they of, just yeah, a lot of let people know, let people go, didn't they? Uh, ICF or is like ignite, whatever. So I, I suspect that um, the fray and I know because we know people who were employees of ignite and are now not, and said that they rang up one morning and fired a lot of people. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, in general, it just kind of seems like if you have. If you're in a leadership position in the in the eco and you have a bunch of money and are thus quite resilient to market conditions, then like using it as an excuse to just like shed headcount without a clear, it it just kind of seems like disingenuous and shitty. I think. Um, I mean, that's kind of happening in tech in general right now. There's quite quite a few companies that I'm following that just did layoffs, and they're like, "Well, we're not quite making as much profit," and they're in the same profit. Yeah. But they let off, you know, twenty percent of sure. their staff just because they're like, "Well, yeah, if there's layoffs happening right now, we might as well start cutting headcount." Yeah, which it, it, it's, it's not fine because thinking isn't like it, it might be because during no, COVID, is. they did a lot, a lot, a lot of hiring, and most of us in software kind of saw it as like, "There's no way that's sustainable," and now it's kind of just the the grandfather clock is swinging the opposite direction now. Yeah, um, yeah. and they're well, also getting really great mean- sales packages. Does that mean they're cutting their development though? Like if you've got a lower headcount that you're not improving your product, right? So well, what are they saying in times of like well, lower? I don't know. Well, myth, if you, if myth, you want myth, to be ahead myth, of the development man, curve. Mythical man month, Null. Um, I've definitely worked <laughs> teams before where there were a load of people and they were less productive than three people in a room. Like, like sure. If you have like a really effective small team um you can make a product with three to five people that will look like it was made by loads more but only if those people have yeah right exactly i mean the 37 signals stuff like that you know they they had 37 employees when they were a one billion dollar company um you know there's a whole bunch of examples of things that were built by a very small group of people but they were you know people who worked to a very specific way of working that you know prioritize productivity um which yeah so uh, i I would address so 
Um, VCs, uh, Noel, to address kind of your comment on, on the layoffs, is, um, they often kind of like force growth. And that's kind of the purpose of VCs, right? It's to get that funding so that you can get more engineers, so you can create more products. But often that dilutes kind of the message of the company. Um, a great example of that would be maybe Heroku with Salesforce. Um, Salesforce bought Heroku thinking it would, you know, expand them, whatever. And then they just kind of suffocated Heroku. And that was kind of a VC decision. And now that VC is kind of drying up, venture capital funds is kind of drying up. That's when you start laying off those extra, those extra people because you didn't necessarily need them. You just kind of wanted them on standby for a, kind of a weird way to put it. Yeah. Plus, yeah, like, you know, available uh, brain power to like, absorb ideas and turn them into product right just in case someone has a good brain fart the other thing is like some companies just it's a good opportunity just to get rid of folks and not take bad press for it so like people you don't like (laughs) well (laughs) i mean fuck you frankly it's it's a good time to upgrade so a lot of companies will say all right we're going to cut 10 percent because there's always 10 percent everybody knows that everybody every company ever been in there's always 10 percent right so they're going to cut that ten percent, and then then they'll take that from a from a uh, um, from a maybe from a bad press. They can kind of believe it in the market, and they can rehire that ten or fifteen percent, you know, from an open market that might have much more available resources that are, you know, um, that are really far, you know, far more exciting or, or far more um, uh, kind of valuable in that time. I just heard, <laughs> I think somebody changed their name, so I lost my thought on what the hell is actually going on in here. <laughs> oh, my well, goodness. it's also a good time for restructuring in general. At the beginning of COVID, yeah, I used to, sure. I worked at Acorns and they had four satellite offices, I want to say. They had their main headquarters down in um, in Southern California. Then they had a Portland office. They had a New York office, Detroit, and one other. And one day during the all hands, the CEO comes on and he goes, okay, uh, offices, this, this, and this. Don't come in on Monday. And then he signed off. And that was it. So we're all just like, what? But because it was amidst so many other layoffs, no, I, I don't remember seeing a single article about, you know, 100 yeah. employees for Acorns being laid off, even though it was something like 20% of the staff. So Usurpa, um, I feel like what I'm taking from your uh, commentary is that basically there's now a glut of people that other people don't like in the in the labor market, right? <laughs> yes, non-personable people. Uh, no, I mean no, that no. might just be describing um, devs in general. No, 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 I don't mean that. So some companies had to lay off good people because they couldn't afford them, and other companies will lay off people because they can, um, and they, you know, usually a, a firm can't decide to take. I'm going to cut ten percent of developers just off the beat. If a large firm, just say I'm going to cut 10% of a specific area and not end up in the news. I guess what I'm saying, what what I mean is though, is that like when you cut 10% of your workforce, it's not a non-discriminatory cut. You don't just take out the 100 and then go in 10% and go slice, you're all gone without discrimination. It's like we either don't like you or think you're shit. And so the the people who are landing in the... No, sometimes they literally just clear a whole team out like i've had that i've had that before there's literally like it's not discriminatory it's just like this team is effectively shut down you're all done uh we'll move some of you you know like say we need two ops engineers over in this part of the business we'll keep the two ops guys everybody else 
I mean, that's what it was with uh, Acorns. Yeah, they just laid off the entire offices completely, re- regardless of what they were working on. Yeah, it's very common. Like less, like, obviously not not quite the same as permanent staff, but like it's also very common if you're uh, doing contracting type stuff where you're doing oh, sure. like um, stuff. Uh, what's it called? Um, supplement. Well, at least uh, like subcontracting or whatever. Yeah, whatever it's called. Cool where you, you know they have they need like five more devs, yeah. so they just bring it's in contractors. five independent yeah. contractors. Yeah, exactly. Very common if you have like a team that's primarily contractors, which is pretty common actually in the UK because there's so few senior developers. Like there's there's so many jobs, so many open jobs, even at the worst of market conditions, yep. that you sometimes if you do the corporate contracting lark, you end up on a team where the project product manager and like the user researcher or who are the designer, let's say are all permanent staff and then all the developers and the, the platform people are all contractors because they're all kind of senior and they will just say, okay, we, we will contract. But then when, when times change, they literally go, right, you three are reassigned. You're all fired. Mm-hmm. Like you, here's your, here's your one day notice. Right. Um, but then, yeah, that's that's the game, isn't it? That's why you, you get paid more as a contractor. But it, it, it is that that straightforward. They just go, this team is no longer needed. Thank you. Good. I wish I yeah. had an office full of people that I could fire. <laughs> Don't work for now. You know, if, I, if I had another or... office full of people that I didn't have to fire, you know, I'd love to be able to afford an office full of people. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure I didn't. I didn't like hallucinate that a few days ago. Noel said to me, "Like, oh, I have a reputation for being a right cunt at work." Is that true? And he's literally frozen. That was dead funny. If he froze, so he can so, no right of response. So the problem is, oh, I, I just moved my um, Elon dish yesterday, and <laughs> I put it in the top of a um, a pole, like in the top of a tube, which is where you sit it. But because I don't have like the OEM top of pole tube sitter i just like i sit it in there and just tape it around it so it doesn't move and the fucking birds are like going and landing on it and you know doing the shit on it and then flapping around a bit and then it like moves a little bit and then i lose my satellite connection occasionally. <laughs> that is the most but fucking like, king nodes response i've ever heard in my life <laughs> but it's fucking up your shit you need a you need a bb gun <laughs> fucking we were just talking about murdering birds earlier. <laughs> we were. That's right. No, no, no. BBs, BBs don't kill them. They just convince them that the nesting site is um, is unsafe and they move on. So if they're smarter than you, pigeons, they'll be smart enough to not ne- not land there. Again. I'm not sure you that I love, buy that. You <laughs> yeah, love you the jank situation here. Source, so, source have have done it. <laughs> so I'm no longer in the caravan. I'm in like a, a like a cabin. I guess you would say it's like a house that's not as good as like a house should be. So I guess a cabin. And <laughs> then um, so I, I surveyed the outside of the house and there was nowhere to mount the Elon dish. And so I've parked the caravan very close to the cabin so that I could like run the cable out to the pole that I've got attached to the caravan. So I'm reliant on my caravan still. <laughs> <laughs> It's still just like it's such a ridiculous situation. I have better accommodation, but I'm still completely and utterly reliant on my inferior accommodation. It looks nicer. Yep. 
Australia. Yeah, but at least it's got a uh, nice area I can set up here for the for the stream when you get the nice bird noise in the background. I can I could close the doors, which would probably be better for the audio, but there's a nice breeze. <laughs> so the other the other week, I think we covered that Null was recommending a Australian uh, an, an Aussie slasher flick or exploitation film called Fair Game. I was at the pub the other day, and a Polish lad that I know recommended me an Aust- I think it might be an American film, and I although it's set in Australia, it wouldn't surprise me hugely if it was actually just fucking randomly filmed in America. But it was called Road Game. Not the same and yeah and it's uh it's also about serial killers in australia what is with it everything is about serial killers in rural australia uh so i feel like you know um a lot of it, it was it a 70s movie was it yellow um 70s or 80s you no, no you see this is what made me think it was actually filmed in the u.s i watched the trailer wasn't wasn't yellow tinted and i was like mm. that's arizona my man that's no cactuses though so actually maybe not american desert so although what, what is it there are plenty of american deserts don't have correct cactuses, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. so wasn't the latest mad max filmed in like uae or something like that wherever they got a tax break i imagine i thought it was in australia was it not mm, i don't well, maybe some of it. I, I thought it was over UAE um, in the dunes and stuff like that. I could be wrong. I think like I think over there is like that more of apocalyptic look. That's Fury Road, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but Australia, like it's not, it's not meant to like look like Australia, right? It's meant to look like America in uh, in Mad Max. It's not like the apocalyptic aftermath of Australia. It's just like. An apocalyptic aftermath. They took the yellow tint out of it. I was under the impression it was filmed uh, <laughs> near Cooper Pedy. Is that right? Maybe, maybe some of the earlier movies. Usurper, I think the I think the yellow hue of all the movies here comes from like the intense sun rays. Just like you can see them, you know, see this fucking god rays and yeah. coming in through the window. I'm getting it. You want to see the back of my head, man? It's blistering. <laughs> So I, I, Namibia. Maybe maybe all of that yellow hue actually comes from like, you know, the, the sun just belting down on the boxes and melting the friggin' uh, you know, film. Yeah, I think so. I do see I see Namibia in that list. I see a lot of Australia in that list too. And so and and in Cape Town. So yeah, all over the place, but mostly Australia, it looks like. So um the J, was that a recommendation uh for the for the the Australian movie that you were talking about, did you recommend we watch that? I, I don't know. I watched the trailer and I was like, "This could be a laugh." It's quite short, but um, whether or not I will have time to, I mean, what? Who the fuck am I kidding? I'm not gonna have time to watch it. Yeah. I still have a half assembled house. I don't even have a TV. <laughs> um, I, I can't can't even fucking watch Netflix at the moment. There's no way. I, I guess I could just watch it on my laptop, which I've got propped up on a pile of books right now. Um, you know, the things. There's tough times here. I could. I just, I just keep getting the whiff of bleach. I'm like, where the fuck is that bleach coming from? And I realize it's because, although I do wash my hands after I got bleach on them, it's just my my hands smell kind of bleachy. Uh, life is bleachy. Is that corn? Whatever. So Sporty says, gosh, I thought Null had a fake background on. <laughs> it does look like it, actually. Um, 
Partial match says, didn't Bart kill a bird with Nelson's BB gun? Well remembered. Yeah, they killed a, a, a chick, I think. Because um, BB guns only go, like I think, 300 feet per second. They're, they're, although in the US, they're not legally capped. Yeah, we have some we, crazy ass ones here. You probably you probably could kill a bird in the US. In in I think maybe not in Europe, but certainly in the UK, BB guns have a maximum velocity of three hundred oh, yeah? per second. I can tell you I've killed some birds with yeah. BB guns. Yeah, I hope me too. Yep. But you turn over, do you mean BB gun or air rifle? Yes. Right? Like single pump in the half. Yes, pump and then yeah, pump action. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a it's like a it's like a tiny little pellet and it's air powered. Yes. It's like a break action. Doesn't have to be a BB. That's an air it rifle. It could be like an actual That's pellet, an like a little point on it, right? It has a little tail on it. Yeah, like yeah. So in the in the or UK, both. you call that an air rifle, not a BB gun. Uh-huh. So what's a BB to you then? Is that the airsoft, the really soft ones? Yeah, BB is just a little, a little, the little plastic pellet. So okay, plastic so that's, or metal. That's airsoft here. Mm. If it's metal, it's BB here. If it's plastic, it's airsoft. Oh, yeah, BB is the metal are... bull bearing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we, we call the round ones BBs and then uh, air rifles are well the air rifles because it's like your yeah, competitive target shooting, isn't it? Yeah. So there's no is there a limit on air rifles in the UK or no? Um no, you can just buy them. Okay. Um yeah. periodically there's like a should we clamp down on them because some fucking yeah, somebody gets hit. Some some stupid fucking kid shoots some old lady <laughs> or something. And uh, and then gets arrested right. and then put in a borstal or whatever. Yeah. And then there's like a little bit of moral outrage for a bit. And then people go, well, yeah, but it's still, you know, you can still really kill a bird with it. There's There, there are two, um, like, re- you know, you can get like really high powered, uh, like kind of like, I think they're, cause whatever they are, are the one, 177.177 or 0.22, the little metal mm-hmm. pellet ones. 177, um, yep. The, the really powerful ones, I think you do need to be over 21 and I think you need to get you need to prove you need to have a reason really? I think you need to say like oh I live in the countryside and I want to shoot pests and I and they're not pests that I'm not legally allowed to shoot and then they'll go oh yeah just yeah, go buy one here's your little um, but I think you have to tell the I think you basically just have to tell the police that you have it just so that they're aware that you have it same as shotguns like um you can if you're like a farmer you can buy a shotgun but you have to tell the police that you have it and register it um and they you have to ask them first and they're like if you have like a record of being a, a mental lad who shouldn't have a shotgun interesting then they'll be like they'll be like you can't have that shotgun sorry um it's a very big problem actually that a lot of people um go senile in old age and have locked up guns oh, yeah. especially in rural places and then because the 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 licensing we have, because we have so few guns, is like quite lax. It is literally tell your local police, get the license certificate, put it in the kitchen dresser. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then you've got like some seventy year old guy with three twelve gauges in his house who's now got Alzheimer's. And then like you know, I've got a friend who's basically a rural doctor, and he's like, they have a thing where there is they there's one person who does have like dementia and they as a as doctors they go they go oh yeah you have to make sure you like like toot the horn at the end of the drive right. and like really announce you're coming because because we know that guy is beginning to get shaky and we're not certain his son won't take away the shotguns uh they're locked up but like better be safe than sorry and you're like mm, all right, okay yeah because they'll um, literally come out with it right yeah, exactly. Potentially, yeah. but, but I mean, they're locked away. So I mean, it's, it's a gun cabinet, right? You can't just 
a 70 year old is not going to be able to open a gun cabinet with their bare hands and not the, the incredible Hulk, but, uh, but yeah, it's better be safe than sorry. Uh, as, as we, as we say in this country, I guess. Um, so, uh, I wanted to also mention that there was, there was a, a, a we've already covered the, 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 the leaving a chain thing earlier, but, um, Schultzy was saying the other day that, uh, Hetzner coming for more validators, right? Is it near, near that have gotten, got gotten? Yeah. Yeah. A handful of near validators have received a message basically. Well, what's interesting about it is yes, they, they've received a message, but they're much more soft core about it with near with near. They received a borderline polite email saying, Hey, your account is kind of sort of being investigated, you know? It's in terms of service that we don't do crypto. We might, you know, look into your stuff a little bit. It wasn't like Solana where they just kind of kicked off, what, 10 or 20% of the network and called it good. And as far as I know, that was a week, probably a week ago. And no one's actually been kicked off yet. They've just received the email saying there's preliminary investigation. So I think that's really interesting. And I think it's, I'm hoping it's a good sign of things to come. Um, we run Horcrux, so, and we still use Hetzner. Um, but if, if we did, if Hester kicked us off, Horcrux would just switch to one of our other platforms. So I wouldn't really care, but not having to worry about it would be, would be really great. But you also have the benefit that if you're running Horcrux, you can run Horcrux on a cloud or, or, or a bare metal provider or whatever. And, you know, like no, no, no provider is going to be like, oh, we won't absolutely won't let you run a signer. Yeah. How dare yeah, you? How dare you run cryptographic ciders on our material? It's like, yeah, I can run Apache Kafka. I'm allowed to run Horcrux. There's yeah, a fair exactly. bit of IO on a on a signer. There is. There is for sure. Especially on the, the yeah, but they charge reader. you for that. They love it. <laughs> They're like So if you if you run them uh single signer, there's a lot less. So also like, you know, um OVH has a we don't give a fuck about crypto policy. So you're pretty safe over there. Just push more people over to OVH now. I, I should get a bloody um, commission. What is that? Like yes, affiliate link? We should get yep. affiliate links. <laughs> We've established we're not good at marketing. Okay. We're definitely not good at making money either. Or, or making money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we were good at making... Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of... Um, yeah, this whole we do it for the memes. Well, so, we do it for the memes. I, I, I mean, for, for back to Hetzner, that's part of the reason why I think a lot of us are starting to to drop networks. Is OVH for the same system as a Hetzner system? You're talking double the price, and OVH is pretty cheap, relatively speaking. Hetzner was just disgustingly cheap, um, yeah. and so suddenly these chains where you could, you know, not worry about it too much because Hetzner was so cheap. It was maybe ten dollars a month to run the well, I guess, over multiple servers. Let's say ten dollars a month to run a chain. That's not a big deal. That's that's a marketing cost. Suddenly, with multiple servers and multiple nodes and running relayers, the cheapest chain suddenly you know hundred plus dollars a month, and that's when the calculus really starts to change. So, really, you can thank Hetzner for a lot of these chains. People leaving these chains. Fun fact: Yeah, uh, King Nodes has never run a node on Hetzner ever. It's because they wouldn't have you. Yeah, you can't brag about <laughs> yeah, that. You can't get a marketing as that. <laughs> denied an application we've already established that like because your company named well. big balls blockchain it was they were like 
obviously you obviously you're running crypto we're obviously gonna buy i like you. to announce that i have never played golf at the masters <laughs> let's basically the same thing we, we, i wonder i might, I might actually change change the company name to big bulls blockchain um you know you uh, uh you don't have to be a good golfer to play golf at the um at the masters you could blag your way in like that that guy I don't from like can. america can you yeah he's that. like he's played at the masters heaps like many many years uh and he just blagged his way in i'm pretty sure he's british how do we end up talking about golf? Know. That's a usurp a segue. I did. That was a bad one. But what was it to do with? Because you said that Mel's big balls. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> big balls. His big blockchain balls. <laughs> Elephant tied as blockchain. VT oil TD. That's the okay. okay. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's successfully. Yeah, but so are they? But are the hets? Are the hets coming for coming for Cosmos? First, they came for the Solana validators, and I didn't give a shit because I don't validate Solana. Then they came for the near validators slightly more politely, and I was like, oh, YOLO, it'd probably be fine because they're getting more polite as they go on. Uh, Would I be- and then they came for me, and there was nobody else to give a shit because all the other ecosystems are larger by market cap than us. Yeah, would I be talking out of turn if I said they probably don't give a shit about us? I wouldn't think so. I mean, I mean the... They probably I don't even know, unless you're like what what they're probably like what what the fuck is Cosmos right like yeah you know I haven't heard of this should I do some research I mean I I don't know yeah. though because near I think is is quite a bit smaller than the Cosmos so I think it's pretty surprising that they were hit before before the Cosmos was honestly is it is it a RAM CPU usage thing though like is it is it wearing the shit out of NVMe drives like the Cosmos does <laughs> uh that's a good question I can't answer that. Yeah, Do you I think they're being a... pressured by someone to like shut down these um, cryptographic networks because it makes no sense from a business perspective? The business perspective, it's better just to ignore it. 